Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the QB Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We are recording on Tuesday, May 10th to be exact, and as you guys can see, as we promised, we are joined by another very, very special guest. So you guys know the drill. I'm your host, Rachel Prevet. I'm joined by my amazing co-host, the one and only Mark Schofield, and today we are joined by the creator of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio and Senior Staff Writer for football guys. His name is Matt Walden. So before we welcome him him in, make sure you guys, you know, don't forget to rate, don't forget to leave a review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow our social media platforms and all of that good stuff. But thank you so much for joining us, Matt. We are so honored to have you. Oh, man, it's a pleasure. I've seen you guys, I've seen you guys work and I've been excited to get a chance to, to talk about the Eagles with you. And I'm super excited. I have two of my true friends in the industry on this show today, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, Matt, let's kick it off this way. Before we get into what the Eagles did over the past couple of weeks, what were your thoughts on Philadelphia sort of going into the draft? How did you view them? Where did you think they sort of needed to improve? How did you feel about this team before the draft kicked off? This is a. It seems to me, after watching the Eagles last year, that they're a team that had a solid foundation with a poor, poor win-loss record. To me, a solid foundation is you have a good offensive line, um, at least offensively, and that's what they have. So you you could talk about their skill positions and and certainly say that Jalen Hurts, you know, second leading rusher in the in terms of rushing attempts in the league. Um, you know, the in terms of big playability as a thrower, very good. Um, you saw Devonta you know, Smith show some good things as a rookie also see that there were some gaps with the receiving core in terms of being, having guys with size or the ability to play at a bigger size than what they're actually listed at. Um, And that's where I think they needed a little bit of work heading into the draft in terms of the run game. You could certainly see that Miles Sanders, when he's healthy and he's playing at his best is certainly capable of being a starting running back in this league, especially behind that line. They have good depth. I mean, with Gainwell, you have a you have a nice scat back, in my opinion, who maybe can grow into being more. I always thought if he could add more explosive twitch to um to in terms of muscle, um, maybe he could give you a tiki barber-esque type of player somewhere down the line. Um, but that's still the question mark with him heading in. And then you have Boston Scott, who's always been a favorite of mine as a late round player who you plug him in and he's going to do good work for you either as a receiver or as even a, a tough scat back between the tackles. He can give you that element. And, and of course, Dallas Goddard is, is an excellent tight end. So looking at, you know, looking at this heading into the draft, it just seemed like that they needed more help at wide receiver. 
Um, and I think that running back, it made sense that they needed to get a little bit more help there too. And so this, it's a team that maybe they don't have all the pieces that lock to that lock together heading into the draft to really make the most of that passing offense, as well as maybe providing more depth for the rushing offense. Um, but obviously as they, you know, as we saw what happened, they did an unbelievable job of being able to acquire that. And before we get to that, Matt, you know, your rookie scouting portfolio, it's must read for me every single year. And you mentioned Smith and I wanted to just sort of pick your brain for a second on where you were on Smith, you know, last draft cycle and what you saw from him during his rookie season. I, he was certainly one of the top five receivers on my board. He was, I had Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle ranked well above everybody. And I think Smith was kind of a notch below at number three or number four, still, a, you know, certainly a future starting receiver, excellent route runner, someone who could make plays in the middle of the field when needed. And you could see the, obviously the big playability, but my biggest concern with him was Trent, when you look at his game and then try to project it to the NFL level, the biggest concern I saw was against patient physical cornerbacks, I thought he was going to have some difficulty. You, you, know, you could see that there were opportunities maybe against, say, Michigan's cornerbacks who were a little bit bigger and physical where he was able to win, but it, it was the type of things he had to do to win in the NFL, they were going to stifle that. Um, he, and so watching him during, you know, throughout the season, it, I saw him, you know, I saw him get pinned a fair bit to the boundary to where he wasn't able to create the separation you're looking for in against those patient and physical cornerbacks on a consistent enough basis. You saw some bright spots and maybe he'll get better at it in terms of understanding when to break inside as opposed to outside so that he's not pinned to the boundary early and be able to set up defenders and, and utilize that uh, acceleration and speed to his advantage. And sometimes it takes a wide receiver a little bit more time to understand that routes that I would normally um, release to the outside on, I need to release inside because that's the, the outside's not going to work for me based on the physical matchup that I have with someone. But even so you look at him and, you're not expecting him to be Steve Smith. Nobody's Steve Smith. And they had a bunch of players, you know, a bunch of players on that team who you had to expect them to be Steve Smith-like in order to win on the outside. And I think they realized with their profiling of players like Rager and Watkins and Smith that they needed more size. They needed somebody who could be explosive but also be physical. And you just touched on it. We needed that big body presence when it came to the wide receiver room. And we got that with A.J. Brown in that trade. So how do you think that Brown is going to be able to fit in this Philly offense? Oh, I love it. I think it's an absolutely fantastic fit for a number of reasons. I mean, A.J. Brown came into the league and there are a lot of I think there are a lot of evaluators that considered him more of a slot receiver who had a limited route tree. and he's he's closer to what Terrell Owens was um, at, at the top of his game than he was a limited slot receiver. Big, physical, a complete route runner when needed. You just saw a smaller number of reps where he ran the variety of routes that you would want to see at Ole Miss. And some routes you, you just didn't see at all, but you could see 
the way that he played, the way that he could drop his weight in into sudden stops with his bend and his and the efficiency of his breaks, that he could run any route that you'd want him to run. Because if you can do that, then you can run the timing routes that you need to be able to run in the NFL. And then when he came to Tennessee, you could see that he could win on the perimeter and just be physical. I mean, I think people just I mean, I'm being simplistic here, but I think people looked at DK Metcalf as running mate at Ole Miss and said, well, you know, he was the bright star in terms of all the physical things you'd want. But AJ put AJ Brown on any other team in college football, and you wouldn't have been making that comparison at all. And uh, Brown's a more complete receiver than DK Metcalf is. And so now that he's going to Philadelphia, yes, he's going to run those in-breaking routes because he's great at the slant. He's great at running the slant and the dig that you're going to see, um, you know, both in the middle of the field, you know, field as well as in the red zone. But he's great after the catch. He's also a very skilled player with targets where Devonta Smith isn't as skilled, which is the ones we just talked about, those perimeter fades, the the comebacks, the plays where he's going to have to be a little bit more physical against tight coverage. So I, I think it's an absolute terrific um, fit for him because it's going to help the other receivers. You can now move move everybody around a little bit more. You get Quez Watkins great after the catch. He can go up and win some targets as well. You get more one-on-one opportunities with corners who may not be the best corner on the team for Smith and Watkins. You get Zach Pascal, who is a very underrated player. Uh, from Indianapolis, who who is going to be where you need him to be, and that helps the quarterback because you have a veteran presence alongside AJ Brown, with who basically Hurts knows where those guys are going to wind up. Whereas with Smith, I think they they could feel good about his route running and Watkins is a developing player. But you've get you know if you want to go five wide you've got a nice five wide look now in terms of those guys. If you just need Pascal in there as your third or fourth guy, especially in a two minute offense, he can be that he can be helpful too. And, and the fact that you've got two players who can stretch the field on the outside or match it up inside in terms of Smith and Brown and yeah, Watkins too, but Brown, Brown, that guy that, you know, whether you throw him a short pass and run a long way or have him run, you know, run deep and out muscle people for the ball. You have a complete option there. Now, Matt, with the Brown trade, the Eagles obviously spent most of their draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. But when they got to the UDFA class, and I've been told by some people that this might be the best UDFA class in history, they addressed quarterback. And they addressed quarterback with a guy that you and I talked about, did a show on in Carson Strong. And for those that haven't read the RSP, Please share with them your views on the Nevada quarterback. Sure. And one of the things that I love about doing with the RSP is that I do a pre-draft and post-draft. So the pre-draft allows me not to worry about what scouts or GMs or anybody are telling certain people in the draft media. And I don't have to worry about all of the, the cover your assets kind of risk management that go into play with production and size and, 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 combine and what school they went to that tends to raise the value of a player that has nothing to do with their talent on the field or very little to do with that. So, you know, oftentimes, you know, we talk about that. The first guy I ever wrote about writing about football was Brian Westbrook. 
And it was because the difference between, um, you, you know, Brian, what Gil Brandt had said way back in the day that Ryan Westbrook would be a top five overall pick if he were two inches taller and 10 pounds heavier. And as someone who worked in corporate America, I thought, well, that that's basically because he's, you know, a G, a former GM is thinking, how do I explain to my owner? How do I explain to the media? How do I explain the fans that, um, that I drafted a five, nine, 205 pound back from Villanova with two ACL tears, um, in the first round, because if he doesn't work out the way that we think his talent on the field would, we're going to look like bigger idiots than if we drafted the guy who they actually took it at FSU, who was 220 pounds and ran, you know, had no injuries and had great production, but couldn't find his way into a hole, you know, so, you know, we could fail with him in the first round because he hits all those marks. So when you look at, um, you know, Carson Strong, the, the knee injury was the big issue with him. And then there was there were whispers about that maybe he wasn't the greatest personality to deal with in terms of it was he the, it, the most engaging personality to deal with that kind of thing. I leave that up to the people who are actually experts at that, not not media, because media just interviews and asks questions and then writes the answers and gives a little bit of an interpretation. But they didn't go to school for psychology. They, they're not industrial psychologists or anybody that specializes in leadership training or, or things like that. So um, strong, when you look at his game, listen, he called play. He was able to make changes to plays at the line of scrimmage, which is very important. Not athletic in terms of what you're going to get with Jalen Hurts, but what's more important and what Hurts does pretty well, but I think Carson Strong does as well as any pocket quarterback you'll find is he maneuvers away from pressure well efficiently. You don't have to have a ton. You know, it's great to be able to move out of the pocket and threaten as a runner. That has its own, um, you know, as, that's a that's an asset in itself. But even the the top guys who can move, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, the things that make them great is that when pressure, they can allow pressure to arrive within a step or two, and they can make the efficient movement, maintain their throwing path platform and Carson Strong does that he throws receivers open he has a very good arm which as Mark and I talked about in our own film room um, at my site he's a player that really was playing on one leg last year and he still had a, an arm that was up there with a lot of the quarterbacks who were taken in the in the first third uh, you know first and third rounds of this draft so you're getting a player who probably um, just needs a little bit of time to heal. You know, they may they may look at the knee and fear that he's not going to have a 15 year career, but we don't know for sure. It just I think the risk was enough with that. Um, but you get a tough player as as Mark had profiled. You get a player that his dad begged him not to play. The doctors begged him not to play, and he wanted to be there for his teammates, and he. He played pretty darn well for a guy who who couldn't throw certain targets only because his knee wasn't completely healthy. And so we don't know what's going to pan out there yet. You know, there is a possibility of that red shirt this season. But if Jalen Hurts does not make the necessary progress needed that we need to see from him, do we see a strong being a part of like the Eagles 2023 plan? 
I think there's a real possibility of that. And one of the most telling factors for that is he got paid a $20,000 bonus as a UDFA, which is one of the, the biggest bonuses you'll see for an undrafted free agent. So that tells me that they, they know that he is a more valuable talent to them in their eyes than just a, a free agent who might be a raw quarterback. And they also understand, you know, having, having Gardner Minshew this year, they don't need to try and push strong to be the backup at this point. They just need him that they need to see him get healthy, understand the system, get a chance to evaluate him in the preseason and then let him work behind the scenes. And then at this point, they, you know, after that, then it will be his time because of the way the contracts work out, I, I believe Minshew is gone next year if they don't re-sign him. So if they see enough from Strong that they feel comfortable that the knee will be okay and that he's not an absolute unprofessional, um, you know, in terms of dealing with him, then, yeah, I think next year he'll have a chance to compete for the number two. It'll be the expectation for him. And if Hurts struggles, yeah, they'll they'll give him the shot because then they can they can move on from there. They know they've exhausted their options, and you know, three hundred thousand dollars salary isn't a maybe a lot maybe a lot to most of us, but you know, it's you know, even if this year it didn't work out, twenty thousand dollars plus what they probably spend sixty grand on him at most if they cut him right now. I mean, as um, former NFL scout and Montreal Alouettes um, head of scouting. Russ Landy and I were talking about Justin Ross, the the Chiefs wide receiver. We were talking mid draft. Why wouldn't a team draft him late? You get you, you could spend sixty grand on him, and if he doesn't work out by by the beginning of the season, you cut him. What's that versus getting a guy who might be might have you know first or second day talent? And that's what Carson Strong has. He has that kind of talent. So for sure, and with the, the offensive line they have with the type of receivers they have, he fits just fine. They don't need a runner at the quarterback position. It's nice to have a guy who can run like Hertz, but what they need is someone who can execute at a high level. Hertz showed that he can take another step and, and be there, but is he going to be able to make that final step and show that he's not only acclimated to the, the pro game, um, you know, because I think quarterbacks and I think Mark will agree with me on this is that what we see in college the first year or two, it's really about how fast they acclimate to looking like the player they did in college. And then what separates the guy from being, oh yeah, he's good enough to play in the NFL and we can either start him or use him as a journeyman or backup. And the difference between that and being the guy you signed to your second deal as your franchise guy to the same team that picked them is can he grow? Can he develop into being more than what he was in college? And it usually takes a good 18 to 24 games for us to figure that out due to the nature of how opponents scout quarterbacks and start putting in different game plan wrinkles that they see. They're not going to throw it all in at once because A, they don't see everything just in the first eight to 12 games. And, and B, they don't want, they may not have the personnel to execute it and C, they, it, they may throw in a couple things just to make sure because they've only had limited number of reps to determine what they like or not. So Hertz is still in that process of teams going, this is what we think he he's good at. This is what he, we think we can exploit against him. And we're going to see if he can overcome that and based on our personnel. And then as you, as you see, maybe 
by the end of year two, year three, as a full-time starter, teams start to realize they have a book on him. And, and, and then they hope to try and create situations where they can throw that book at him and he can't respond. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Matt, when I reached out to you about coming on with us, I said, you know, we're going to talk about Carson Strong and all that. And your first response was in Kennedy Brooks. Because <laughs> this seems to be the second year in a row now where you've got a soft spot for a back out of Oklahoma. Last year was Ramondre Stevenson. And I know you really liked him. And now we get Kennedy Brooks. So what is it about Brooks that you like? And do you like his fit in Philly? I love his fit in Philly. Um, and obviously, if I'm asking, I'm a guest on a show and I'm asking to talk about a player, um, that should tell you right there. And, and, you know, one of the things I'm known for is running backs. That's probably yeah. one of the things that I know. So I, what I love about Kennedy Brooks is he is, I think he is the smartest running back in this class in terms of understanding what it takes to create space um, he's not the best athlete, which is why he was an undrafted free agent, most likely. Um, but that's a mistake, I think, by the league. If you ask me, the league likes 40 times for running backs. You'll hear pro football focus talk about that that 40 times are a sticky stat for running back production in the NFL. I would tell you that um, that's a nice to have, but a must have is acceleration, change of direction, quickness, and more than that, great decision-making in terms of understanding what happens pre-snap and early post-snap within the fit of your run-blocking scheme. And those things Kennedy Brooks has in abundance. He is someone who can read the pre-snap, look at the defense, understand the box, and decide, all right, this is most likely where I'm going to have to cut back. And I'm looking early post-snap at a cue or key 
that will allow me to make that decision that may be run against what the play design is, but will get me yards. He has terrific contact balance. He has what I would call micro movements. The top backs understand how to move any part of their body, upper or lower body in a very efficient manner to avoid contact at, in the tightest um, you know, spaces. You know, Being able to make people miss in a phone booth is what a lot of people will use, say as, a, as kind of a tried and true with that. Um, but you know, if we're going to get granular with it, he's it's it's the micro movements that you see from Ezekiel Elliott, um, you know, or Alvin Kamara or Nick Chubb that that makes Kenny Brooks very good. And I've I've talked about in the past that if there were a back that I could place a long shot bet and say he's going to be that generation's Terrell Davis, the guy to come out of nowhere. And I used to watch Terrell Davis on the sideline of UGA practices when I was at that school and covering the football team there. Um, there's a player who has that kind of smarts and ability to make the most of it. Not saying it's going to happen, but I, I would put my chips on Kennedy Brooks. And considering that Sanders is in his final year, he, his availability has earned him a label that he's not available all the time and they don't want like that. And he has some issues sometimes with making decisions that he shouldn't. And get, it's no guarantee that Gainwell is going to have the explosion and the tackle-breaking ability to be a lead back. And Boston Scott just seems to be a thorn in people's side in terms of, um, you know, I'd like to have him as I, – I would take him as a two-minute back or even a scat back on my team any day. Um, but – the Eagles don't seem to be, you know, they've used Jordan Howard. They understand how smart of a back Jordan Howard is. I think Brooks has a shot to be that Jordan Howard on this team in the future. And you could see him be even a little bit more because he's faster than Jordan Howard. He has a more explosive profile. So I, I could see with this offensive line, um, if they have a good enough, off, they feel comfortable with their offensive line, they may look at him and go, yeah, maybe he's not the fastest guy, but we'll give him a shot because he breaks tackles and he gets us those explosive plays of 10 to 15 yards on a consistent basis. And that's an explosive play in the NFL. You get enough of those and you score. And it's, they've statistically proven that over the years. And Brooks is more than capable of that, even though ownership usually thinks explosive plays like fantasy um, owners like explosive plays, which is 40, 50 yard gains, but we don't need to worry about that. And so when we're looking back so far at what Howie Roseman has been able to do during this off season, we have to say, you know, he's done a really good job. You got to give him his flowers. He, you know, he's given, given Jalen Hurts these necessary weapons. We've also seen him address some positions on the defensive side of the ball. So based off of what he has done, what are your expectations for the birds going into this season? Well, I mean, I think it's it would be a good expectation that with the with the healthy team, that this team should somewhere be be within seven to nine wins as at a minimum. And looking at the division, I think that that's pretty reasonable too. I mean, the Cowboys are obviously still going to be the the team to beat in terms of because of that offense. Um, I think the Eagles probably have have one up on Washington and and New York. I mean, New York might be able to make some strides if their quarterback figures it out, um, but I'm not as confident in that. Um, and so I, I think that the Eagles have a shot for a wild card this year if they play at their best. 
um, and everything comes together. And I'm obviously being very conservative, saying seven to nine wins. Um, but I think that's very, very possible that they could win somewhere between nine to 11 games if everything works out, especially with A.J. Brown in tow and the ability to stay healthy with the run game and Hurts taking that next step. So they did a good job because also I think the players that they they picked fit within the coach's scheme in a, in a manner where regardless of who's quarterbacking, if Hurts gets, you know, gets injured, I think that they still have the type of players where it's going to complement all the any type of any of the quarterbacks that they have on this depth chart. Um, so, you know, overall, I think they take another step forward. And then by 2023, if everything's working out, they should be able to challenge for the division lead. Matt, obviously a lot of what happens next year hinges on Jalen Hurts. Now, a kind of a two-part question. I'm pretty sure you already answered the first part of this. Did Howie Roseman do enough to help Hurts? And as such, does he take that step forward next year, do you think? I think he did enough to help Hurts. Um, I think that at minimum, we should see, you know, at wor the worst case scenario is that it takes a while for Hurts and Brown to gel, but they're good friends. So um, I don't think that that's probably going to be a huge issue for them. Um, but again, with, you know, that Hurts and Goddard, um, you know, that's going to be a key thing. Can they, can they continue to build on what they had and can they have, and same thing with Smith. Um, so if, if Smith and Hertz are able to, to do a little bit better on some of the bigger plays, um, the bigger play opportunities, then I think this team could be very dangerous in the passing game. But the, the big thing for Hertz will be probably continuing to find the most efficient decisions as opposed to being the guy who can make the great improvisational plays and the great improvisational plays are awesome, but you want him to have the easy moments where you, you know, he's not in second and long or third and long because of the fact that he may have missed out on some of the easier plays that get him in the second and three and third and four. And if he can have more of those scenarios where the Eagles can have um, either longer drives or drives that end quickly because he's able to, to score off of these down and distance situations from what he's created the play before, then I think he does take that next step forward. But it's a matter of being a little more efficient in the pocket, knowing when to throw the ball away, not getting too invested in plays because he's it's always been with him and a lot of guys like this. Matt Stafford always had this issue. The more he got invested in a play, the more likely he was going to make an error because he was he just thought, I've come this far. I need to make something good happen and not realize that maybe it is I've come this far. I've survived. The good thing that happened is just to take um, basically throw the ball away and end the play. That's yeah. good enough. And sometimes guys forget that when they're great at those types of things in the college game. So if he can, you know, fix that and kind of take the path Matthew Stafford did, then I think you can see Hertz take that next step. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insight and your time. We appreciate it so, so much. Do you want to plug anything or where, you know, can listeners find you? Sure, I'd appreciate it. And this, this was a pleasure. Of course, you can find me at mattwaldmanrsp.com. 
Uh, my YouTube channel is Matt Wallman's RSP Film Room. I have a podcast called the RSP Cast. Mark Schofield and I are partners in crime on that very often. We do a weekly show during the year called the RSP Quick Game, where we handle a lot of subjects in quick hitting fashion. Or sometimes we just kind of Quick-ish. call a timeout yeah. or we call a timeout and just decide that we're going to ditch the rules there <laughs> on that. And yeah. So quick ish. Um, but you can find all that, you know, at Matt Waldman, RSP.com, the RSP, if you're a fantasy guy um, or girl, P, um, you know, you can find it at, um, you, you know, you can find the pre-draft and post-draft. They are both available. Um, and um, I donate money um each year from the rsp um to an organization called darkness to light um, which is an organization devoted to preventing sexual abuse of children through training programs as well as how to address that when it unfortunately occurs and the rsp has raised over fifty thousand dollars in the past 10 years um to that cause so very proud of what we do here at the rsp and um thank you again for giving me the time to be able to talk about it awesome love that thank you So yeah, you guys heard it here. Don't forget to rate. Don't forget to leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe, follow all three of us. You guys know the drill. And yeah, do you have any last words, Mark? As always, go Eagles.